This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where we take a closer look and dig a little deeper into this week's sermon. What's going on, Bible nerds? We are back talking about Acts 9, or continuing talking about Acts 9, so let's take a closer look. We are. It, it, honestly, it feels good to be back. Golly, I had to do this by myself last week. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and we're going to get a whole week of content this week, so thanks yep. for being patient with us. Yeah, very sorry um, about that. Yeah, this is an interesting text. So once you get to chapter 9, the chapter 9 is a major shift in the book of Acts. And this character, Saul, becomes the most prominent character in the book. Yeah. He becomes the character that matters the most. And But right after his story of his conversion, and he leaves Damascus to return to Jerusalem... Uh, we get a break from Saul for about a chapter and a half to go back and look at Peter just for a brief minute. We're, Peter will be around. We'll see him again at the council in chapter 15. Peter will continue to be around. But Paul is the main character moving forward. But we do get this kind of weird break here about Peter, which feels strange. If you were going to talk about Peter, maybe we should have done that you know, earlier when it was Peter's part of the story. Right. Um, but for whatever reason, Luke chooses to bring these Peter elements and next week we're going to look at Peter and Cornelius, which is a really interesting story, but these are two healing stories from Peter. Yeah. And it could be, this is something that I'm possibly tinkering with. I'm redoing my outline of acts through this idea, but I'm beginning to wonder if the storytelling of acts is actually done. Um, through the geographical location, about when things are happening, when things are taking place in Jerusalem. Peter's the character when they're not. It's Paul. But anyways, these two healing narratives, I think, are really telling because this is the first reintroduction to Peter that we have. Remember, yeah. Peter was the highlight character from chapter 2. Yeah. Why? What, what did he do in chapter 2, Clayton? I uh, preached this really big sermon that kind of defined the church. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what he did. Um, he also, yeah, did a very prophetic thing. We had Pentecost, the giving of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Peter seems to be the leader of these people. This big new movement of the way of Jesus. Yeah, all these things. So... When Peter shows back up on scene, we should take note of what he's doing. Yeah. He's healing. Yeah. Of all the things that the person of power could be. And remember, in chapter 15, he's going to sit at the head, quote unquote head, of the Jerusalem council. Right. Um, this is a leader. Right. This is the top leader um, to date. Paul will, I mean, kind of take his place um, as one with the most influence, even according to his own words in First Peter. But Peter shows up, and he's healing. Mm -hmm. You should not miss that that is what Peter is doing, is that he's healing. 
And so Saul returns to Jerusalem and then pan scene almost as if Paul almost as if Saul returns to Jerusalem only to pan out and you have Peter who was a character in Jerusalem and is now out and about not in Jerusalem doing things. Mm. And so the text says in verse 32, now as Peter went here and there among all the believers, he came down also to the saints living in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas who had been bedridden for eight years, for he was paralyzed. A lot of people try to read into the eight years thing. I don't think it really matters. The dude's paralyzed for eight years. What, yeah. what does that tell you? He wasn't born paralyzed. Right. Like that. That's really what we should take away from this. Uh, I don't think there's a bunch of like numerology here. Like, oh, it's more than a perfect amount of time that he's been Paralyzed. No, it's never a perfect experience when someone's paralyzed. That's right. literally the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think you should be reading into like any numerology numbers here. I literally think it probably just like historical record. He was paralyzed for about eight years. Yeah. Um, and so the other thing that I want to point out, and I'm going to compare, I'm telling these stories in tandem because I need to compare them to one another to make my point. Um, Aeneas is defined as a man. And we had two other descriptors given in the same text about titles for people of faith, of the Christian faith. Believers and saints. But he doesn't give, Luke doesn't give that description to Aeneas. Mm. This is a man. This is a dude, just a bro. Just somebody that was there around the Christians. Right. Um, But I don't think this is a community member. I don't think this is a member of the Christian community. Um, I think this is, quote-unquote, an outsider. This would be a, quote-unquote, non-believer. Verse 34. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. And immediately he got up, and all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. So here, here's, in the book of Acts, that phrase and the, the language about increasing in number of the believers, right. you should think about that as the like, like literary motif that keeps coming up to like summarize like, oh, keep drawing you back home, keep grounding like, oh, hey, this is what we're here for. Yeah. We, this is the story of the birth of the church and how all these people start. Um, it's almost like in Judges, where like at the end of every chapter, like they each do what is right in their own eyes. Yeah, yeah it's that same kind of motif. Um, but here's my question, Clayton. Um, why do all these people turn to the Lord? Is it because of the miracle? Or is it because... Of the justice. Can it be the the miracle attached to the justice? It can be however you want to interpret it. What do you think it is? I mean, I think that it's... I mean, we kind of talked about this the other day. I say the other day. I don't know. It's been a few weeks now. That the message of Jesus um, 
without like something to attach it to is kind of like cool good 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 to know but yeah um peter here is doing the same thing where he's coming with this um this message of jesus 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 christ heals you right that's the message of jesus mm-hmm. attached to the miracle of the healing correct i think um I think it could be both. I think it can be both. I think sometimes it is both. But I think for some people who are watching, I think the miracle alone probably does it. Mm. But for other people watching, the miracle alone is probably not enough. There are divinizers all over the ancient world. Yeah, There's tons of recordings in the book and in the Bible about other people being able to do the same quote-unquote spiritual powers and like miracles (laughs) quote-unquote that the disciples can do or that the people of faith can do Moses and the Exodus is a great example. The first four plagues, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's four. Don't quote me on that. The first few of the plagues, Pharaoh's divinizers can do the same stuff. Yeah. So I think for a lot of people, the miracle probably isn't enough. Mm. It's the act of justice, the act of charity that goes with the miracle. Sure. That I think does it for a lot of people. I think I would agree with that. Um, because for us, I mean, we if we saw a miracle today, it would it would shock the world. Oh, yeah. Like uh, the American world. If the American world saw a, a true miracle, the skeptics probably wouldn't, you know, they would still say no, but they wouldn't know what to do with it. Because mm. it's so uncommon. Right. In this world, this is not an uncommon thing. Divinization, enchanted world, yeah, this crap's happening all the time all around them. I don't think the miracle's that impressive to them. Yeah. Maybe the name of Jesus element, maybe the charity element, because the divinizers, they're not coming around healing people. They're like doing crap with the rain and wind and bringing locusts and stuff. Right. They're doing macro stuff like that, calling down fire from heaven is what they're trying to do with Elijah. They're they're doing weird stuff like that. They're not actually impacting any level of change, not making a difference in people's lives. Right. That's what Peter does. That's what the disciples do. I think the the act of charity, yes, the medium was miraculous. And I absolutely believe God can do miracles and does miracles and, and we should still pray for them. But I don't think that's the only truth we can receive from this text i think um that if you actually look at the culture and thinking about what's what's happening here um the beauty is not the miracle the beauty is in the justice yeah or maybe better to say the real miracle is the justice and not necessarily the miraculous healing well as you might imagine this is a little village area town um, of Lydda and the text says and all the residents of Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord Uh, you could imagine the ruckus of an entire town yeah turning over to this Christian faith right and so some people up the road in Joppa hear about it this is how the next story goes verse 36 Now in Joppa, 
There was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. So you remember how we have Saul? Mm. Saul is his Hebrew name. Mm. Paul, which is what he begins to be called at the end of chapter 10, I think, or beginning of chapter 11. Um, I think it's end of chapter 10. Um, but Paul, what he eventually gets called is just his Greek name. Right. And he starts using it because as God told Ananias in chapter nine, in the conversion story of Paul earlier, that God wanted Saul to be his instrument to the Gentiles. Mm. It makes sense that you wouldn't call him by his Hebrew name. Right. You'd call him by his Greek name. Yeah. You're going to the Greeks. Um, Tabitha and Dorcas, same thing. Tabitha is her Hebrew name. Dorcas is her Greek name. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. So now, do you see the difference in the way Tabitha is described? in the way that Aeneas is described. She's listed as a disciple, and she's given a descriptor of why. Mm. What makes her a disciple? Yeah. Whereas the other one, you have disciples around, you have mm. believers around, but when you actually get him described, it's just a man named Aeneas. Right. There's no descriptor. He's not called a disciple. He's not called a believer. He's not called a saint. There's nothing. That's why I think these stories go hand in hand. I also think that's why translators have chosen to keep them as the together as the end of chapter nine. Mm. Um, it's because I do think they go hand in hand. But anyways, this is why I think they're in contrast. Tabitha is a true disciple, a believer, a community member, and has been for some time. Um, Aeneas, not. Yeah. I want you to watch the way these interactions happen. Okay. Aeneas, Peter's just walking by. Hey, Aeneas, you're healed in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. Take your bed, bro. Yeah. Um, very interesting exchange. Yeah. Watch this one. Verse 37. At that time, she became ill and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in a room upstairs since Lida was near Joppa, the disciples who heard that Peter was there sent two men to him with the request, please come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the room upstairs. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter put all of them outside, and then he knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Meanwhile, he stayed in Joppa for some time with a certain Simon, a tanner. 
What differences do you notice about those stories, Clayton? Um, so besides how Tabitha was described, mm-hmm. it was a simple healing versus mm-hmm. a resuscitation. So two opposite ends of, of things going on here, right? I, I guess a simple healing isn't like a th- good way to describe that. No okay. healing is simple, but we see lots of um, lame people being able to walk again. Mm-hmm. There's only so many resuscitations that we see. Um, so this is a more rare act of healing. They they are more rare. Um, and people sought Peter out for this one. Mm. Whereas Peter was just walking down the street and saw Aeneas. Mm-hmm. Um, so people sought him out for this, mm-hmm. meaning like, like you were saying earlier, they had heard, mm-hmm. yo, Peter, we got this disciple, follower of Jesus, already a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, can you come help? Mm-hmm. Um, something that is similar that I, I, I notice here, though, between the two stories, is the statements that Peter makes are very simple. Get up. It's just open your eyes. Stand up. Yep. Just simple little like, hey. No, he just tells them both to get up. Oh, you're right. Get up. And then she opened her eyes. Yeah. Just, he just tells her, Tabitha, get up. It's the the same statement, more or less, with a minus a few words. Oh, don't miss those words, though. Right. What words are missing? Um, and why would they be missing? So Jesus Christ heals you, right? Versus Tabitha, get up. She was already a believer, and Aeneas may not have been, right? Had a boy. Um, obviously, we don't know, but we're not told that he is. Whereas with Tabitha, we're no. Told I actually, that she think, is. I actually think the text is everything about the text is setting it up that you should make up that he's not a believer. I think so, but it doesn't explicitly say that. It doesn't. But um, he actually helps her up here too. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Aeneas, he didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's the same thing and what's known the, throughout the city. And what's the takeaway from those differences for you? Um, well, being that this is the first time I've actually like really looked at this text or today because mm-hmm. this gathering this morning and then today, yeah. my initial thought is what you were talking about earlier is like in your story yesterday for us this morning. Um, simple acts of charity can mean a whole, whole lot to a lot of people. They can. But if you attach the message of Jesus to it, it means a, a different thing. I think that's definitely one thing to take away from. And that's what I made the story about. For me, uh, there are some other things that I see here that I'd like uh, to take a couple minutes and point out to you. Um, First and foremost. um, Oh, another difference. We're told that he stays in Joppa. We're not told that he stays in the other place. Yeah. Well, but he was, I mean, he's just been there. But yeah. Yeah. But yeah. we're told that he stays there for a bit with a specific person, which I think is interesting. 
Like, who's this Simon the Tanner person? <laughs> like, <laughs> at this point in this, who is this guy? Somebody knew him. Somebody did, and he was important for some reason. Correct. Um, my guess is, well, there's a reason, but cool. Time sake. Um, what I think the there are two main points that I want you to take away from the difference here. Um, Peter invested more in spaces where people are willing to invest in the community. Hmm. Um, notice there's so much more detail here about the the way in which Dorcas mattered. Yeah. The way in which Tabitha mattered to these people. All these things she had done. Holding all these cloaks and tunics and uh, and other clothing that she'd made when she was with them. Um, this is a very dear community member and Peter invested. He left a city where he was on an agenda where the Lord was at work to leave and go to this new place, do this new thing, because this was important. There was something here in this moment that was important. You you noted it. You just didn't catch it. What's the difference, Clayton? Death. Mm. Death. The enemy of our story is death. Yeah. Peter left everything to fight against death. Yeah. Not Ooh. sin. Not death. sin. Yeah. He didn't leave because people were sinning. He left because she died. Mm. Death is the enemy of our story. Death has been defeated the power of the spirit the power of the gospel the power of a life message uh life and living a life according to the message of jesus is in the way that we combat the effects of death peter did that with aeneas him being paralyzed is an experience of death existing in the world but the investment there was a little different mm. It's not to say Aeneas mattered any less, but it is to say that we only have so much capacity to give of ourselves. And Peter models for us. Remember, this is a leader of you know what's budding into what will become a very large religion. I'm sure this was a very busy man. Mm -hmm. um, and he leaves, and really with no questions asked, but they really just kind of give him an SOS yeah, I, I think, I mean, there's these two messengers and they said, hey, please come us with us without delay. Like, hurry up. Uh, someone's died. Yeah. Yeah. Death. Friends, I cannot say this enough. Sin is absolutely a part of our story and it is a contributor to death and the experiences of death. And that is why we need to remove sin out of our lives because we as Christians don't want to perpetuate experiences of death in a world that we're trying to redeem from death but golly don't miss that death is the enemy of our story first and foremost